This is Leader ReadyCast, a monthly podcast featuring real-world lessons, best practices, and action-oriented insights for the urit moments when you're called upon to lead. Leader ReadyCast is the official podcast of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, a joint program of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hello and welcome to the latest minicast edition of Leader ReadyCast. We're bringing you news you can use around the COVID-19 pandemic, help you lead more effectively. Our guest today is Michelle Effendi. She is a neighborhood activist, a community builder, and online whiz. She has used Facebook to help build a national network of, of community-based responders and uh, helping communities become more resilient. She's going to share with us today her journey as well as some of her tips for leading right now. Michelle, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Eric. Thank you. And so I think it's really interesting. You've had a very untraditional path and you've now built this national network of of people who are helping build community resilience online. Tell us a bit about how, how did you get here and how does this work? Well, thank you so much, Eric. I, I really appreciate being here. You know, long story short, I, I started in digital transformation when I first went to uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. I had met a diplomat while I was studying at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, and she was hosting sur- survivors of the Indian Ocean tsunami at an orphanage that she had. And I uh, had the opportunity to uh, stay at that orphanage and it was a real paradigm shift for me in a lot of ways, but in regards to this conversation, it was an opportunity for me to live in Indonesia while also corresponding with my family, friends, and classmates online who were still in in America. And I continued to live in Indonesia for five years while being a student at Oregon State University while I was a uh, student of water conflict management and transformation. And that allowed me to to build a community online while I was someplace completely different. Years later, I had moved back to Boston and continued to use Facebook to be a community influencer. And when I was uh, in 2017, Facebook invited me and 300 other admins, and admins are people that are using Facebook groups. They invited me and these other people to a, to a summit, and that's when Mark Zuckerberg changed Facebook's mission to um, be from building personal connections to building community. And at that summit, I felt like I was a part of, of other people. I was like, wow, these people are just like me. They are people that really care about the community and the platform. And just a a few short months later, that's when Hurricane Harvey occurred. And I was in Boston. I live in the Boston area. And because I had been around those other community influencers, I recognized that those people that were being impacted by Hurricane Harvey really needed support. So although I was in my pajamas in the the Boston area, I began reaching out to these Facebook admins 
using the, uh, the search engine on, on Facebook. I began private messaging these, these strangers. I didn't know them. And I began offering them uh, support because I knew that those Facebook admins were influencers for their communities. And I began providing them assistance in regards to um, emergency management information. And uh, ever since then, uh, we've began to create an organization called Neighborhood Admins Resiliency Network. And the mission of Neighborhood Admins Resiliency Network is to provide uh, logistical, emotional, and training support for the admins of locally based Facebook groups. And I've had the privilege of, of speaking to some of your members. You had me on one evening, which was, was great to hear up, you know, up front and up close and personal, kind of the things they're wrestling with, the good work they're doing. And I think it's, a, it's an amazing resource you've helped create because people doing these things individually, that's, that's wonderful. But I think the real power comes from having this national network you've put together so people can help each other out, share challenges, ask questions, share best practices, those kind of things. So given that Perch and given that you spend so much time with this, what do you think it takes to lead from the grassroots right now? What's, we hear too much about the leading from, from the top of organizations. What does it take to lead in the community, right? particularly during an unsettled time like right now? Well, I think that just like what you had said is, is the working together and, and the collaboration and, and crowdsourcing is, is really what's, what's so key and having that open mind. Um, maybe someone who's a, a meta leader is, is someone who's willing to uh, work with, with others and, and admit that they are wanting to have that other piece of, to, be, to being a part of the puzzle, not the only the only fit, right? Being a super connector is what a lot of these neighborhood admins are, is that they're not the, they're not the answer, they're just bringing all of the answers together. And um, they are also uh, willing to, to collaborate with a shared mission. So someone who is leading from the grassroots knows what their mission and vision is so that they're not straying from what the goal is, I believe. That's great. And you're right. Again, it was very clear in, t in talking to the people you had on the line when we were together was they really did get their mission and they're really passionate about their communities and trying to do to do right by them and to unlock all the resources that are there. So what do you think, what are, what are the two or three best leadership practices you see that they, that they get right consistently? If you were sort of to build a generic, great uh, neighborhood resilience leader, what are some two or three things they typically do well? Someone who does the best practice, I think, is, is a person that surveys and, and asks for, for feedback. Absolutely. And another important practice is team building and the ability to delegate and, and is willing to to have to delay a lot of leaders want to to be involved with everything and to to solve the problem themselves right away but a person who is willing to to wait and to allow others to step up to the plate that i think is the best practice that's great well that, and i think as i Hear you. There's a certain humility to it. There's a certain uh, an ability to, to deeply listen, which I think is also from from the experience I've had with people who are effective at no matter where they are in an organization or in, in a in a, uh, 
a civil setting. That ability to really listen and hear and, as you say, make the connections is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, those are the good things. What are some of the traps you see them stepping into? Yeah, I mean, those are for sure the opposites of, of what of what the best practices are. But, you know, for a lot of these neighborhood leaders, they're involved because they're they're really caretakers at heart. And um, and, and certainly myself. Uh, and we have a and I'm going to say we or I or they we have a lack of many of us have a lack of, of boundaries because we're just so committed to helping and supporting and caretaking for our um, for our communities and there's a survivor's guilt that comes along with with this because we're so compassionate about helping everybody we're very concerned with helping everyone and what other people's feelings are so there is a lack of self-care there's a lack of boundaries and and oftentimes there's there's a concern of, of not helping enough. And um, that can be very debilitating at times. So there's, there's, there's many of us who are not doing enough for ourselves personally, because we're just too consumed with helping um, the community as a whole. And it, it's, it's, um, it can be very difficult and that leads to, to burnout and an ability to have um, proper time management, especially with our own personal um, needs. So I think that's... I, I can see where that helpful. can happen. And again, you're, you're, your folks are not unique in that when you're in right. one of these roles. Where you're, again, you're trying to take care of people. You're working for a social good. You're seeing right. the, 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 the needs are never fully met. Therefore, there's always something more to do. So, and I think also we've, I have been hearing this uh, from all kinds of organizations these days, particularly as everyone's working from home, that the barriers are increasingly difficult to keep in place. And so it can bleed into hour after hour after hour. Right. I think and maybe this, you, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and this, and with these, with this digital organization that these people run, this is, you know, COVID-19 is, is something that's just occurred, but these people have been working in this area for a decade, many of them right. five years to a decade. So, um, you know, it's, it's happened for years before this. Um, and that's why many of them feel and have become so, um, are continuing to be so important. So it's, even though, um, for some organizations, this has been a really difficult time. Um, for many of these neighborhood admins, it's just kind of something that is is just the case now, but has always been the case for them because they were important during blue skies and are incredibly important during gray skies as well. They've always been important to their communities. Absolutely. And so I would encourage our listeners, if you're in a community that has uh, a neighborhood administrator like this, perhaps volunteer to help them out from time to time, get involved, uh, help pick up some of this load and carry it forward. Because I know that anyone involved in a a community organization takes on a a lot of work. Mm -hmm. uh, And those who do the work tend to get more work given to them. So it'd be good to have some people reach out and volunteer and help to share that load. Michelle, I really want to thank you for your insights today. This is one of our short mini-cast editions of Leader ReadyCast, trying to bring people really concise information they can use during this. And to all of our listeners, I wanted to ask you to join us on our website, npli.sph.harvard.edu, where you'll find information on our brand new online crisis leadership courses. They're going to debut in late June 
and they'll be all online, very time efficient, very cost effective. Hope you'll check them out. Join us soon. Until then, be ready to lead. Thank you. This has been another episode of Leader ReadyCast from the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts and find out more about us at npli.sph.harvard.edu. Follow us on Twitter at HarvardNPLI. Thanks for listening and be ready to lead.